Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Still in Motion podcast, where we talk about dance and dance photography from both sides of the camera. I'm Catherine. I'm Jonathan. And how's your week been? Good. I mean, I feel like we should start with you. How did your show go? Okay. It happened, right? Yes. I was thinking we should maybe start with you because I didn't want to get carried away because I have like eight things to talk about from my past week. Oh, well, I mean, let's jump into it. Okay. <laughs> um, my show went really well. It was on Tuesday night. Um, sold out house. A lot of people I knew came. I was, um, I don't know if I mentioned on here or not, but I was playing a bit of like a marketing game with the show and was doing a lot of like Instagram stories and Instagram posts and Facebook posts and stuff. But I didn't do like a lot of personal invitations like I've done um, for some of my other shows in the past. Just trying to kind of see like who actually comes when I'm publicly announcing stuff and I see that people are seeing the stories, but I'm not like reaching out one one to one. And lots of people came. So I was really excited. Um, it went really well. It was really cool because this is normally the show uh, that I'm like the main photographer for. And um, so the photographer got there and I was like talking to him and stuff and uh, talking to him about what kind of camera he uses. He actually sometimes uses one of those like sound muffler things that goes around the camera to make the shutter quieter. I don't think he used it for this show because oh, I've never seen that before. Yeah, I've like looked at some in the past. They're really kind of like big and clunky. And I think if you're shooting on like a prime lens, it's maybe better because you don't have to like reach through it to reach the zoom wheel on the lens. Um, he ended up not using it. Um, but throughout the piece, I didn't hear him taking any photos. And also my parents were there and they noticed that too, that they didn't hear him taking any photos. And he was not sitting on the edge like I normally sit. He was sitting like in the very center of the audience, like in the first row. And I was like, this is interesting. I never want to be that close to the audience when I'm here. But he might have been shooting on mirrorless. Did you ask him what camera he was using? He had he had two, I think. One was a mirrorless and one wasn't. He was trying to use the muffler thing for the other one. Oh, okay. But it it made me be like you normally in these episodes. And I was like, I need a mirrorless camera. Because <laughs> it was, he sent my piece, I don't know about the others, but like over 180 images. The piece was 20 minutes. Like that's a lot of shooting. I don't normally shoot that much during a piece because that's a lot of just shutter actuations mm. and sound. So for him to have shot that much during the piece, also my piece had like really bright lights because I did want good photos. And it also did work for the piece, but it mostly worked for the photos. <laughs> and you had the white floor, right? So that also helped. Yeah. So it was really bright. Um, it's always weird looking at photos that you didn't take of your work. I was like, why is it like this? And like, I would have done it differently, but um, they're really, they're really good. So I'm really glad we got uh, someone to come take photos of it. But yeah, it's also just fun seeing like all of their systems, like the way that he sent us our photos and like I've had some trouble downloading them because like the files are really big. It's taking a really long time for them to like download and then the link keeps expiring before the download is finished. And this is kind of like what we talked about last week where it's sometimes important for photographers to be on the other side of the camera and like have their photos taken and be the dancers in dance shoots and stuff. It's also kind of important to like hire another photographer and see what it's like getting your photos from them and can you download them and are the files the size that you need and like what what does frustrate you about it and what works really well and like how can you implement that and I need a mirrorless camera 
<laughs> I mean, okay, so we are yeah, not going to get into this rabbit hole of like gear and pros and cons of mirrorless, but have you been seeing all the rumors of the new um, EOS R2 that's coming out? I mean, you've mentioned it. I haven't really been researching it yet. People are going a little crazy on the internet because there's like apparently like two or I don't think it's three. I think it's like two different bodies where it's like two different tiers or type like up like versions of the mirrorless body that's coming hmm. out of supposedly the leaked specs or some of it is confirmed, but like it's supposed to like rival what Sony has out right now. Like it's supposed to be crazy good. What but what I'm really excited for is apparently they're announcing it within the next two weeks, I think, because it's February now, and it should be available in July, which is right when Bates is. Oh. So, like, if once they announce it, if that is true, I might pre-order it and, like, it'll arrive at Bates and then I can play with it. And, you know, I'm, oh, I'm like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like, I really hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my biggest concern is just to maximize the quality of a mirrorless camera, you really do need the mirrorless lenses, right? The adapter ring is just, yeah, that's my that's my concern. Well, but the from what I've heard, though, Canon's adapter is really good. Like, everyone that uses it says they have zero issues with their lenses when they use okay. it. Okay. So. Anyway, we shouldn't dig too much into this topic. Yeah, but anyways, I'm just, I just got but, really excited. Because yeah. YouTube's been sending me these recommendations of people talking about all the leaked specs and at this point, I'm like just swiping like, no, go away. But before yeah. <laughs> I, I would click on them and listen for, you know, 10 minutes to a person talk about it. Then another video, the same content, 10 more minutes and just it got too much. Yeah. Anyway, so I had my show and then a couple of days ago, I took photos um, of one of my friend's shows, but I went to her tech. We've talked about this, my feelings about shooting a tech dress. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you texted I've, me, actually. What uh, happened? <laughs> I've just been, like, thinking so much about it. Because, like, in high school, when I was in the ballet company I was in dancing, tech rehearsal was, like, if we had a show on Friday, tech rehearsal was, like, maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, like, two days or something of just setting light cues. Then we would leave. And then Thursday was, like, the dress rehearsal, right? And the dress rehearsal was, like, as if it was a show. Mm-hmm. Like, we would start at 7.30 if the show was 7.30, and we would run it as if there was an audience, but there wasn't. Perfect opportunity for a photographer, right? Right. Most shows in New York, at least all of the ones I've been familiar with, the tech and slash dress slash everything that's not the performance is just the day before the performance. So they wanted me to come to that one. And I will admit that like I was able to get some different angled shots and definitely I was able to take more shots, which is more time in editing. So that's a good and bad thing. But different angles and move around a bit and not be so worried about the shutter sound by being there at their dress. But because it's like from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. tech and dress combined, they can't really tell you like when to come because they don't know they're going to start the run as soon as they finished setting all the light cues. And because I think I need to rethink maybe my pricing because this happens like a lot. This is every tech dress thing that I've experienced here in New York. If I charge like an hourly rate instead of just my normal performance price, but for a tech price, like it's not the same. And maybe that would help because if it's if it's just a flat fee for me to be there, it benefits the choreographer to just tell me to come too soon because then they don't need to worry about like waiting right. for the run for me to get there or timing things with me. I'm just chilling there in the room. And then as soon as they're ready for the run, I go. 
So I we didn't start the run for the show until like after eight. And I got there at 6.30. And I had like my laptop. So I was doing other work. But then I felt kind of bad because the choreographers seemed like, well, they could tell that I was just kind of bored. I, I mean, there's no good solution to it, you know. Well, but it just really. Is. I think you're like switching your pricing would help a lot. I guess the hardest part is there's no set time for the dress run to start. Is that right? Then you just get there at the beginning to make sure you don't miss it. Is that? Well, why? I get there at the time that they ask me to come. And okay. with this choreographer, I had been emailing them back and forth being like, I'll come to, to tech, but I only need to be there for the run in costume with the finalized lights. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to watch you set the light cues because even then they're not running the sections. Right. So I'm not getting any information about like what's actually happening in the piece. I'm just, they're trying different lights and the dancers are standing still and then they move to the next queue and the dancers are still again. Um, so I kept saying, I don't need to be there. I don't need to be there that early. Like, let me know when you're going to run it. And they were like not responding to emails. And then finally they did. And they said to come at like 7.30 at the latest, maybe closer to seven. And, you know, there's just, they have, they have no idea what time the run is going to start. You know, and like, I can't blame them. I've been in those tech dress situations as the choreographer where you want to just finish the lights as soon as possible and run it. So you have time for notes and maybe running it again. It's hard to like plan out the schedule like that for like the photographer, which is why maybe it's better to just always do the, the show unless it's like clearly like this is a dress. We've already had tech. We're starting at this time, you know. Well, and what's interesting i think hearing that is and maybe that's a just a difference between the venues that you work with versus i i am now mostly at dance place just because that is it just takes up a lot of my time um but it's similar in the sense where we usually have a full day of tech like for example if shows are normally saturday sunday so friday the companies are in tech all day then they get a dinner break and then there's a dress rehearsal and on the schedule, that there's always a very clear time with when the dress rehearsal starts. So even if the dancers are done with tech earlier, they will use that time to rehearse maybe, but they're not going to do a dress run until it's time for the dress run. Right. And even even if there's a set time, like it's not that they do the dress run and they leave. There's then there's still time allocated afterwards for notes. Like they've just decided. If this is the amount of time we have, we need to do a dress run at this time in order to have time for notes. And, mm-hmm. you know, so like I think it's it's doable. But again, that's a lot. If the choreographer isn't getting back to you and all that, then that's yeah hard to do. And it's I think if I were if I was taking photos in New York at some of like the bigger venues, like companies, you know, I'm thinking like New York Live Arts, the Joyce, like maybe the 92Y, like bigger venues where companies come through and there's more structure. Mm-hmm. I could see it being like the system, but most of what I do, it's like dancers with small companies of mostly their friends and colleagues who like rent out spaces or, mm-hmm. you know, it's very like DIY sort of performance making. Like they don't have a stage manager. Most of the time they don't have a clear schedule. They're, they just like have the space and they have the lighting designer and they're using the space like as they see fit. Yeah, that's it's, hard. It's a challenge because it's like for that same price, I could have shot your show the next day and I know I would have gotten just as many great photos. I do that. I do this all the time. Right. You know, and 
it's just so much more of my time to do it that way. But during the actual dress run, though, did you, did they do like a full out performance, or did you get into the same issue where they were sometimes marking it, not going full out? No, they they did a full a full performance run then. Okay. But there was a chair that they forgot to move that was on the side of the stage. And then halfway through, I like asked the choreographer, I was like, should this, is this chair part of it? And she was like, no. And I was like, okay. <laughs> then I went over and I moved it. Oh, that's annoying. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to Photoshop it out. I wonder if this is a good opportunity then for you to incorporate like phone calls, like we had talked about before into your business plan where for these kinds of shows, making it a priority to get them on the phone and then talking through what their schedule is like and tell them, you know, if you have the, the, the space for this long and you know, your piece is this long, can I recommend you set a hard start time for your dress run at this time? That way, you know, even if you finish your tech beforehand, you can still rehearse it. And that would just make the pictures I get even better when you start the dress run a little bit later. But that way, it's mm-hmm. the best use of all of our time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or I need to just have my normal my normal price of performance photography, which includes, like, you know, the shooting and the editing, and then have an additional fee that's, like, an hourly rate of if you're just sitting there. being there before and after or, like, other time that I have to be there that's not the run mm, to, like, yeah. incentivize them to, like, ask me to come sooner. Because if they were paying for me to be there, then all of a sudden everyone's priorities change. You know, like yeah. when you're paying for rehearsal space versus when it's free and you're like, we have to be productive. <laughs> yeah, I totally know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I need to think about that. I also just want to make sure that all of my pricing is like very consistent because I've been like, I always propose basically the same price, but I'm always willing to like kind of work with people to like, I would rather have the job than not have it, you know, and like allow my prices to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. as need be but like sometimes I'm forgetting what my original starting price is and I have to look at like the client's invoice from last year when I did a their event last year or like a similar event this year and like start I just need like to type up a really clear pricing sheet for myself that maybe includes something about like dress slash tech runs and like how all of that works yeah. I can send to people and that way I think if you send them your price sheet that includes other things they might be like, oh, I don't didn't know that, that she also does events. And that's like a good rate. You know, it's like kind of plants the seed that like you do more than just shoot texts of shows. Like a photo shoot price is on, is on there and stuff like that. Yeah. Goals. Oh, slightly related to this, but not really. I have a friend that just recently started working at a theater in D.C. And when I say theater, I mean like, like I work at like a, a dance centric place and she works at a like theater centric place uh-huh. the marketing department and uh she was texting me how and so with them they deal with a lot more union art you know artists and actors you know things like that mm. and she was saying how for union actors they only get like 30 minutes with them for press related things it's like built into their i don't know if it's their contract or just the union rules but like you can't have them for more than 30 minutes apparently which is crazy <laughs> to me. Like taking photos of their show. If it's more than a thirty-minute show, you can't. No, shoot I think the whole show. No, like if it's like a a photo shoot to promote the show. Oh. Or or things like that. Like you only have them for thirty minutes. I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, and I don't know. I if guess that's, it's just not abusing time, right? I, I mean, I think at the very core, yes. The 
the idea is that you are not taking advantage of these actors or the artists and you know so they're not there for too too long and i don't know if this is specific because i don't know how union really works so i don't know if that's specific to the how this theater worked or how that contract was written up or whatever it was but it just seemed kind of weird that you only had 30 minutes and and they are unions are strict like unions are so strict with the rules the minute that you get a 29 second or 29 minutes and 59 seconds it's, you know it's like stage managers all right you're done with them sorry yeah you know you can't you can't add on more you can't ask for five extra minutes to finish up this one thing you were doing like it's crazy yeah i mean it really does make sense though because when you're dealing with like well famous people but also people really amazing actors really amazing dancers like it's i could see you getting carried away and being like oh i want one more picture like this one more thing one more group these two together this like you you have to have some sort of rules that keep everything going on on timing right and prevent yeah. people from just yeah going crazy and having a three-hour photo shoot because the photographer is just like having fun and troubleshooting like it requires that you come in you're prepared you like know you only have this amount of time right right i mean you definitely have to go in with a very clear idea of what you're trying to achieve for sure it was just weird i don't know do you think 30 minutes is too short no i don't think so i think if you come in with a plan you know what you need to get 30 minutes is like enough time it's not enough time if there's any like ambiguity in what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. I guess most of the photo shoots I do are my model is very much let's we have the we have this time set uh, set aside, so let's play and figure out, you know, what we want to create. It's never yeah. been a I know this is what I want, so let's just get this done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but hey, you're working with a yeah. with actors in a union. I think it's just a different it's a different mindset. Right. And I mean, not about that. Yeah. Right. And I'm sure before that, you know, the marketing department has met up to figure out this is what we need to get whatever product out. So this is what we need to do during the show. Yeah. I have mixed feelings sometimes about unions. I've had good experiences and then I've had some not so great experiences from the like performer side where mm -hmm. it just seems a little ridiculous with how strict they are with the rules. And I, under I understand why some of those rules are there, but. Sometimes it feels like it's taken to the extreme where it hurts the creation process. I don't know that much about unions, but I do see how that could be a problem. Yeah. I don't want to get into that now because we have a lot of other things to talk about. But and I don't know I'm nearly sure enough about we'll it. Later. <laughs> uh, yeah. What were you up to this week? I, <laughs> I took a ballet class for the first oh. time since 2012. Why <laughs> did you do that? <laughs> So I at one of the studios I teach at, there are a few high schoolers who I don't think they listen to this podcast, but um, if they do, the, hi, <laughs> hi. This is the studio I was telling you about last week, where they had said I was like a YouTuber, podcaster, projection designer. Yeah, it, it's this studio. So I've been there for a while, and I love the kids. And there have been a few high schoolers who are very ballet focus like they are straight up bunheads at the studio and so i don't really interact with them a lot because i only teach hip-hop i kind of go in for my classes and then i leave i know who they are we say hi you know because it's um that's just kind of you know you see each other in the hallway but i've never had them in class but i have some of their siblings in class and so in turn i see their parents posting stuff on social media and then i saw one of the dads post 
a video of the the older child who's a bunhead dancing like on her like palms or something but they were doing a very like hip-hop kind of routine and so i went up to her one day i was like okay you can clearly do hip-hop fine i need to see you in my class at some point and she's always been well i'm not really good at hip-hop that's not my thing i i would do so bad in class so finally i was like okay how about this if you take one of my classes i will take a ballet class yes so she came to my hip-hop class so then the next day i went to one of her ballet classes and it was so hard. <laughs> I I mean, yeah. like, I knew it would be. And I was actually very proud of myself for surviving. And I didn't get like overwhelmed at any point. And I was really trying to just focus about my alignment, which was still terrible, especially when we sped up. But um, yeah, I took a ballet class. The next day, my calves and my hamstrings were so tight. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's so interesting how I use my calves a lot in house. It's a lot of footwork. But I use it in such a different way that, mm-hmm. you know, that whole, yeah, it was just weird how sore my calves got. Ballet is so interesting because, like, I, you know, I was in, like, a company at high school. So I did it, like, in a very intense way. And then I've taken a couple ballet classes in college and after college. But it's very different when you don't have the mindset of, like, I'm doing it because I'm going to be in this role in this show in three months. And, like, mm. you're doing it more for yourself and like like maintenance almost yeah but ballet and maintenance don't really seem like they go together it's like ballet equals destruction on the body (laughs) never makes me feel good after but I think there are some ballet classes and some ballet teachers here in the city that contemporary dancers go to and it does help with like strength building in a way that can help you in other forms as well um and just like you know general staying in shape but it's yeah. it's interesting like the mindset how it shifts when you're like you're going to just to just one class because you had an exchange thing with a student and like you're just there and making it through you know well and it was funny because not only did i get her to come to my class but i got two other dancers to also come so it was, oh, cool. it was like really fun and so i posted a we took a group picture afterwards like yes i got these ballerinas into class and now i have to go take ballet so a bunch of studio parents saw that post and they were all commenting about how much they loved that they were in my class. And then after I took ballet, we took another group picture. And then on that post, all the parents were like, you go, Mr. Jonathan, I'm so proud of you. Like, you know, so it was just really funny. <laughs> that built up such a great like teacher student relationship, though. Like, that's awesome. Like that they can. I don't know. That's so fun. Like I. My. um dance teachers in high school didn't really do that but I just think that's so great like seeing your your teacher in a class struggling and like I mean that's how it always is right like you're you're an adult professional dancer you go to classes you don't know what the class is going to be like or like if you're going to be okay in it like you can't only go to class when you know that you're good at the thing that's happening because then you can't try any new classes yeah I mean that's that's a great example (laughs) thank you and I mean this is something I would love to keep up i've taking a a regular ballet class has actually been on my to-do list for a while i think because it's such a a, an opposite way of using my body how i normally do it with modern hip-hop that it's a really great way to cross train and just you know i think it's often easy to get too much into habits and those often lead to injuries because you overuse those specific muscles. 
So like the way with my calves, like there are parts of my calf that I obviously don't use on a regular basis because they were mm-hmm. super sore the next day, you know? So, but it's just hard finding or committing to a, a weekly practice like that. Yeah. When, like you said, like I'm not in a ballet show, so I don't feel as pressed to take a regular ballet class. Yeah. I wonder like if you could just do certain ballet exercises like daily without going to the class if that would but ballet is really kind of scary because if you do it slightly in the wrong way you can get injured like I've got, I had some bad injuries in ballet from like tucking my pelvis too much or something so I don't know it's one of those things where like being in class seems like a good thing so people can correct you if you're like you know standing in a weird way or something well also I I haven't taken ballet in so long my vocabulary is very limited I, yeah. I can do a mean plie, grand plie sequence on my own. <laughs> but after that, I'm like, I need someone to tell me the sequence because I don't really know what else to do. Yeah. You know? so like, <laughs> <laughs> What comes after plies? I think tendus. Then... Oh, I, I can do tendus still. And I can you do degages. <laughs> I can do rondejons. But then everything else, <laughs> when we got to um, the like... Frappes. Uh, oh, yeah, I can do frappes. Um, but once we got to... Adagio? Yeah, adagio, like away from the bar, you know, part of it, I could just watch and kind of pick things up. But then once in a while, I would turn to one of the students like, hey, what does this word mean? Like, what is that? Because they've been doing it for so long. The teacher would kind of just say the phrase and kind of mark it with her feet, but not do it full out. So I like, I don't know what this is. I can't follow along. So can you like, can you show me this real quick? Uh, I remember in, in high school, we would have certain like exercises that we would just do with like very slight differences from week to week and my teacher would just use his hands to do the little like marky thing that you know uh-huh. they do yeah, yeah yeah uh and just kind of like hum along like da, 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 da. and then uh adding this I'd do like a little gesture and be like okay you ready <laughs> luckily everybody there had been in class every other week but like a new person impossible like yeah. not friendly to new people coming in <laughs> yeah well and I mean, to be fair, like, I think, you know, like, the teacher knew I was there just to kind of take class. So she didn't, if I was a new high schooler in the class, I'm sure she would have yeah. taken much more time. You know, like, this was a very different experience. Yeah. Um, she would have like, been like, Jonathan, maybe this isn't the right level class for you. Well, I'm sure she was thinking <laughs> that anyways. But, <laughs> but uh, even in my class, I do that, you know, I was, we've, at this point, they know the vocabulary. So I'll be like, okay, you're going to do three, six steps into a CC, into a kick out on both sides, into a roll, you know, like, like they all know the vocabulary. But if I ever have a new student, I make sure I'm like, okay, guys, I know you all know this, especially with my young yeah. kids. Cause they're like, we already know this. Blah, 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 blah. And they start doing it. I'm like, all right, wait, pause. We have a new friend. Let's all stop. Yeah. We're going to do this together. It's going to be a review for you, but it's new for this person. Yeah. So let's make sure we're all on the same page and then we'll mm-hmm. go through it. You know? So yeah, I mean, I definitely do that too. Because after a while, I get lazy. I'm like, you already know this. I don't have to show you. Just do it. Yeah. Well, and then you have more time in class for other things, right? That right? too. And it's good for your memory too. Like you have to remember things from week to week. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Oh, speaking of my young kids. So I finally brought my um, video lights into class. Oh, how'd it go? So my older kids, I think, okay, I think across the board, they all thought it was cool. But my older kids didn't show it as much for sure they were like oh cool and that was it my little kids oh my gosh they went crazy they're like oh can i change color oh mr jonathan can we do different colors for each person when they go out and freestyle i was like okay no that's too much (laughs) but i'm glad you like it 
That's so cool. <laughs> and all the parents loved it too. Like I leave the door open in class. Normally when we do, we always end in class with a freestyle circle with my kids. And normally, you know, you have maybe a couple parents sitting out there, you know, just observing. But when I brought the lights out, I had a crowd of parents at the door. They had their cell phones out recording yeah. the child. It was a whole party vibe. It was, it was fun. Did you find that the dancers were like more willing to improvise in the circle and like take risks and stuff? Like did it affect their dancing? With my younger kids, I definitely saw they were more excited to go in. Even the because I have some kids who are very self-conscious and yeah. they'll I tell them beforehand, the rule is everyone has to go in and I have to see like one of this, one of this, one of this and you can do whatever else you want on top of that, but that's the bare minimum. You have to at least do that. Right. And they will literally walk in, do the bare minimum, and then get out as soon as possible. And this time, they seemed at least more excited to go in and do the bare minimum. That's <laughs> and they did, good. And they did each one for a little bit longer because they wanted to be in the lights. So I think that was fun. With my older kids, I'm still working on them. Yeah. It takes longer well, to get balance. over. Yeah. They're, they're much now, more self-conscious. Mm -hmm. Like as a, a blanket statement for older children when yeah. you teach them freestyle. It's tough too because now you have fun lights, but you also have more parents watching. Well, though, to be honest, for the, my younger kids, I don't think any of them noticed. I think they were so okay. into the lights yeah, yeah. that I was like, <laughs> they were just like <laughs> talking to their friends and like, yeah, yelling and screaming. Yeah, it. that's super cool. You have some big, <laughs> exciting news. Do you want to get into that topic? Uh, yeah, I can get to that topic. Um, so I haven't really been talking about this that much, but I all of this has happened. The entire saga of working at this photography studio has happened since... We started the podcast, so kind of yeah. cool. It's all documented on here. Um, so I stopped talking about it because I was holiday help and um, the holiday season ended and things were not busy. And so I had to, I, I like to say, well, for a while I was joking and I was like, I was <laughs> fired from my job. I was not fired from my job. I was just not hot. The holiday season was over, so I was not working there anymore. Um, and each studio has... Uh, a head photographer and an assistant photographer and the assistant um, left to be a stay-at-home mom. And I was offered her position to come back, which is a, a full-time, um, a full-time job, which I had never like wanted before and never applied. I had never looked for a full-time job. Uh, full-time jobs are super scary because you have limited vacation time and uh, <laughs> no freedom and flexibility. And, yeah, but I uh, decided to take this this job. Woo! Um, yeah, so I I guess this episode is going to be released this coming week, and then I start. I've been part time there for a while, but I'm going to be like full time, full time, uh, starting on February 11th. So that's so yeah, exciting! Congratulations! Thank you. It's it's really cool. It's um, I feel like I'm just going to say where the studio is. It's called Classic Kids. Um, they have uh, nine locations around the country. Um, they do like very, very like uh, expensive high end uh, family portraits and kids and stuff like that. So I'm really thinking of it as like definitely it's going to be like a great learning experience, sort of sort of like going to grad school or something for a while just to like yeah. absorb so much like working one on one with a an actual like like we're like actual photographers like trying to figure things out but like a person who has just like so much more experience than and they've figured out I a lot of, of this already yeah like there's it was just so clear being there for just a few days that like 
I have so much to learn, like even in terms of like sales and systems and lighting, just so much. And like, sure, we can keep puzzling things out and like going to class, like like lectures at Adorama and watching YouTube videos, but there's nothing like the hands-on experience. So I'm doing that. I'm uh, obviously not quitting dance. I was like super insecure about that for a while. I was like, I'm quitting dance. I'm not quitting dance. (laughs) And I'm still freelancing dance photography. There's like conflict of interest clauses and stuff. So I can't do kids portraits and stuff like that, which is fine because I wasn't doing that before. I also can't really talk about what I do there, like in terms of like the actual details of like how lights are set up and how they do marketing and how they do sales and stuff, because all of that's like super confidential and like company secrets. Oh, interesting. Um, You have to sign an NDA? Yeah. Yeah. I had to like sign stuff that was like, you won't do this kind of photography and you won't like share well, uh-huh. even like the top of the documents that I read there say like, don't share, don't send to anyone, don't share. And they have like diagrams of their lighting set up. Um, right. So I, for the most part, will not be like talking about what I'm doing there on the podcast because it's like obviously public. I'm going to try to like mainly talk about my freelance dance, freelance dance photography, freelance photography stuff in general, like events and all of that stuff. That's through like my own business of Catherine Butler photography. Yeah. Um, and then that's like that's also happening and like obviously influencing my work, but I'm not going to straight up like bring it up. Well, I'm curious to see if I'm well, I'm sure there will be, but I'm curious to see how your work will start to shift and change now that you're yeah. getting a lot more experience at the studio, how that affects yeah. your other work. I mean, even I mean, the way that we use the cameras there, everything's different. So, I mean, that's why I wanted to do the job. Yeah. Again, there's like so much to learn. So. I'm sure things will shift for me in terms of how I shoot dance, dancers, photo shoots, um, shows, like everything. But we'll mm-hmm. see. It's going to be cool. Again, congratulations. I mean, I remember, I remember when you were telling me about it. I mean, we went back and forth. We were like, well, here are the pros and here are the cons. Here are the pros and here are the yeah. cons. And like, I mean, it's, it, it is definitely scary going from a very freelance type of lifestyle to a much more structured type of lifestyle. Like even when I started at Dance Place and that's only part time, even that yeah. it was like, oh, like I have to log my hours now and I have to be accountable to people on a regular basis. You know, it's it's a weird yeah. shift. It's funny because in part it does feel like it's way more work, but then also it feels like it's less because I've been working like every day of the week doing things anyway. You know, like I don't have just like a full day off. If I have a day off, I'm probably like taking class or uh, taking photos of something or editing. Like I'm always doing something anyway. So to now just have like, rather than be running around the city to different jobs, I just like go to work Tuesday through Saturday. And when that's over, like I have free time and I don't need to worry so much about like hustling to like make money to pay rent during the week. It's like, that's covered by my job. <laughs> yeah. And then whatever else I do, I can, I can just structure like my schedule set so I can just like structure when I put other things in my schedule. Um, I think it's actually going to give me more freedom to like make work and book studio space. Like I just know when I can do it. Right. So, and you can now afford studio space. Yeah. It's having a job is kind of a good thing. (laughs) I think the hardest things for me were like, I really love going to Bates and like doing these like traveling 
traveling out of the city for like dance photography type, like production management type work and then coming back. But also I need to make sure that when I come back from those things, I'm like happy in my regular life too. And that was the problem I was running into is like Bates was like 200% the best thing ever. And then I didn't want to come back to New York because I didn't like my, my regular like life here that much. And then I would like have a photo gig or a show coming up and I would be like happy, but like, it's nice to actually like going to work every day, yeah. <laughs> like in learning and enjoying the work that you're doing. So, um, and I have vacation days and unpaid days that I can take off and sick days. So like, yeah, I can't take off four weeks for Bates, but like I can still do like lion's jaw and like other, other things here and there. Yeah. I know when you, I remember when we were talking about it, I was so sad that you wouldn't be at Bates. <laughs> I know. I'm sad well, too. <laughs> did I tell did I tell you though I'm officially confirmed to go back to Bates as the staff awesome. photographer? Yeah. So I so, confirmed that with Allie. And now I have to I have to, well, I used to have three, but now I have two in potential interns to talk to. So, oh, I was one of them, maybe. I know. So <laughs> now you're like, you are not even in the running. <laughs> <laughs> but I also feel like there's so much to learn being the intern at Bates. And like if I was there, we would just do what we did last year. And like, well, we, we would do more because we'd also be recording podcasts. And I think it's going to be good for somebody who maybe has a bit less experience who can like learn from you and work with you and like actually be your intern. Um, like we yeah. said at the very beginning of like the first episode here that like you and I worked together like 50-50. I mean, you did the shows, which I didn't do. Yeah, I guess my biggest concern is well i have to figure out what equipment they have yeah and then how something that i'm learning at dance place right now is just because you have an intern doesn't mean it's extra help if they don't have the right skill set yet you know a learning intern versus a like helping intern is very different and that's not on that's not the fault of the person doing the internship you know you are in the internship to learn and to get better but mm-hmm. until your skills get to a certain point, I can't use you to, to do anything. So right. if, you know, because like right, right, right now my current intern at Dance Place, she's awesome. She works really hard, but she just doesn't have a lot of experience with editing or capturing video or pictures. Yeah. And so everything I do is more for her to practice. And she's not fast enough for me to give her an assignment and she gets it done in time for me to use it. So mm-hmm. it's almost a little bit extra work for me right now because I'm doing all my regular stuff on top of figuring out what to give her to do to help her learn. And hopefully, you know, in a few weeks, she'll get to the point where I can just give her something and she can get it done in time. And I can actually use that instead of having to like remake it or, you know, something like that. But at Bates, if it's going to be the same thing, that's going to be more work for me. Yeah. If if I tell this person, go take pictures at this class, this class, this class, and they come back and they're, I don't know, bad composition, underexposed, out of focus, whatever it is. Well, then... I then have to still go to that class and take pictures. Yeah. You know? And it does, as much as we say like, no, it's, well, I don't know if we say this or not. Gear is important, but also like the photographer is important, right? Like at the same time, that being said, I brought a lot of gear debates. Like, I mean, yes, I will. Okay. I think photographer always trumps gear. However, in certain situations, especially with dance, gear does make a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's the caveat. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know if you gave me a entry level DSLR with a kit lens, I think in some 
rooms at Bates, I would be fine. But for some shows, I don't think anyone could get any. Like I'm thinking back to um, uh, Dave, uh, not Dave Ruffin, uh, Dova, oh, Doug Verone, sorry, like Doug Verone's show. Mm-hmm. Even my pro level camera was struggling to find focus in that piece. There's no way yeah. an entry level DSLR would be able to focus and take the picture in time. Like by the time you focus, they'd be out of the shot. And this is this also comes back to what we were talking about last week about like you hire a photographer to have like quote have guaranteed yeah. success, and the show happens once like you, the tech happens once whatever like you the photos have to be good you can't come back and be like oh my intern took photos of that show and uh, they're not good so can we do dress again <laughs> like it happens once yeah you know I mean I the mean, nice thing about classes is they happen every single day for three to yeah. four weeks so. Yeah. Plenty of time to practice. And Bates is, yeah, Bates is long. So you have a lot of learning opportunities. I mean, I think <laughs> if I could do the structure of Bates for photography, I think that you need to staff photographers just like the video side of things. Because like, like what if people. you, what if you get sick? Or like, what if there are two shows happening at the same time? Which like you does need, happen sometimes. Which does actually happen. <laughs> yeah. You need two people who are like professional can document the thing. And then I truly feel that the intern should be someone who actually doesn't have that much experience, who is interested in dance photography and can actually like learn a lot of new things Yeah, from working with the staff photographer. Um, yeah. Well, and also something you know. that I am in well, I haven't started the conversation, but I need to start the conversation with um, Ali and Shoni is because the photography internship part is so new, you know, there yeah. just isn't a lot of structure behind it yet. And so, which is fine. Like it just, we just need to keep talking about it and figuring it out. But even things with like, where do we store the images or like the video team uses the server at Bates. And so they're in that, the computer lab all the time editing because they're using the computers. Mm-hmm. You know, so does that like should the intern also do that with photography should we be putting all our pictures somewhere on their server you know like there are just lots of questions that haven't been a thing because this hasn't actually existed it's always been before me it was arthur fink who mm-hmm. kind of was treated almost more like an an independent artist versus a contracted photographer for the festival you yeah know, like, he treated the festival as his own artistic practice for dance photography so it was always, the format was just very different. So yeah. there's just a lot of things that we need to start hammering out the details for. Totally. Well, we um, will continue podcasting throughout Bates. <laughs> yes. Well, and so, even after your job starts, we will keep podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I want to hear about how it's going and everything. Yeah. And pretend that I'm there while I'm not. It's going to be so weird not having you there. <laughs> I was only there once, but you got so used to it. Well, because you made my life so much easier. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to so think, fun. like, because also if there's a, uh, the intern who doesn't know as much, which is, fine, you know, like again, it's, it is my job to be there to help teach them, kind of. Um, although actually, okay, sorry, I was about to go into a whole another side tangent, but you know, but but that also means that I have to find time to maybe like sit down with them more often to yeah. go over the pictures, go over their settings look at what they did in Lightroom. You know, like there's See, a we whole... didn't do any of that for like right. people Be- listening to this. Jonathan and I would meet up like, what was it? Mondays at lunch for like two to five minutes to make sure we knew where we were going. 
And then we would just split ways and, and do our own thing, our own shooting and editing and uploading and everything for like the whole week. And yeah, we'd yeah. like see each other in the dining room and we would like the dining hall. We would like sometimes once or twice, like go to each other's rooms to look at lighting setups or like headshot editing workflow. But we split the workload up. Like I would say you did like 65%, 70, 30, 60. Cause I was taking class and you weren't. And you yeah. were doing the shows and I wasn't, but it was really like it. We were each responsible for getting a lot of stuff done. And we yeah. did that. Well, and it was nice because I knew you were competent and you knew what you were doing. So I never worried about the quality of your images you yeah. know, versus someone who's not as experienced. I have to do a little bit more handholding. Yeah. Eventually, or just or just being more aware of what they're doing versus and I just I know you're that. in class and you'll be fine. You know, yeah, you're taking pictures of class. Um, but I was actually, so another th thought is sometimes not everyone is cut out to have an intern. You know, like, I don't know, yeah. it's, always, it's always interesting how when top down, you know, the organization says, hey, we have an intern. But maybe that person is like, I really don't want an intern. I know that's just going to be extra work for me. I don't feel like mentoring someone, you know, so that's, and I mm -hmm. want to be clear, I don't feel that way. I actually, I would love to like <laughs> have someone to, like, you know, guide and, you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. But, you know, sometimes at dance place, we get people and, well, A, if they're not good at what they do, then, like, for sure, like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have gotten this intern. But sometimes people, our staff, are like, well, I don't really want an intern. But sometimes I think that's not brought into the conversation, which should be. Yeah, it definitely, having an intern means that you're now teaching you're in a teaching role right yeah and which like, i think people don't think about a lot of times people think intern just means free help no and they're not interested in helping the person learn more like they yeah. assume just because i tell you to do this task you will eventually get good at it but there's a whole other side where you should be you know like i at least my personal feelings should be if you are in a mentoring role or like a teaching like a, if you're the one with the intern you know, you should be making time to sit down with them, talk about how they're doing, what are their goals, what do they want to get out of this. You know, I mm -hmm. always try to make specific things at Dance Place where, okay, if I know you're interested in more of the editing side, I will give you more editing tasks. Or if yeah. you're more interested in the capturing side, I'll give you more camera oriented. You know, so, but sometimes I, f I see people and they don't do that and I feel bad for the intern. Well, I've baked, I mean, you definitely offered many times you were like what do you do you want to sit down and talk about things or like are there specific things you want to learn and I was kind of like I just want to like shoot a lot of things like yeah you know you were just, I didn't have yeah, you were fine <laughs> but you did yeah. offer that and I didn't really take you up on it because I didn't really have specific things well I did have a couple specific things that you did help me with um mainly like lighting headshots but besides that um it's not that like you didn't make time for it, but also looking back, I was like, when would we have had more time for that? I guess maybe it comes down to shooting each class less. Like how many days do you have to go to Spiral Dynamic and take classes? Like, is right. there, are you more um, like, I mean, yes, the more times you go back to a class, the more opportunities there are to get that perfect shot that maybe you thought you had the perfect shot and then you go back another day and then you get a shot that's even better and it can become like an addictive spiral of like, if I just shoot more, I'll just do better and get get better stuff. Like, mm -hmm. but maybe there is a cap that's like after I've gone twice to this class, 
I have to wait another week before I go back. And in that time, I'm going to teach my intern and <laughs> we're going to do some other things. Like, I don't know how it's yeah. set up. I didn't, I mean, like, it's it was hard internship. I, I just felt like I was doing like work exchange. Like I was, I was getting classes in exchange for the work that I was doing. And that's great for some people, you know, that's, yeah. that's what you totally. want to get out of it. Um, we should do our discoveries of the week. Yeah. Oh, real quick. And we're not going to get, oh, this was actually going to be like, a, I think a whole nother segment of talking, but I just want to mention it real quick because it's literally happening right now. But the um, Pas de Deux oh, yes. Dance Photography Conference is happening right now. And I am so sad that I'm not there. <laughs> I know. I'm I have, watching all of their Instagram stories. I know. I'm, I have friends that are there and they've been posting a couple of like the shots that they've been getting from like photo walks and stuff. And it just looks so cool. Ugh. We should definitely go next year. It's on my bucket list for sure. It just happened that this particular week, I have really good friends who are performing at Dance Place. So I really okay. wanted to be here, A, to see their show, but also to like really help them market it and all that stuff. But I was yeah. very tempted to like just take off and fly out to Arizona this weekend. Yeah. Uh. Next year, though. Let's do it. If you guys don't know, the Pada de dance photography conference i think that this is this is their first year doing it actually all right is this like a new one i haven't heard of it before i didn't think it was the first but maybe it is oh i was under the anyways maybe it is maybe it isn't but it is a conference focusing on dance photography it's so cool they have all these like workshops they have panel discussions they have these photo walks where you can go with a, a well-known or a more experienced photographer and like kind of tag along and, you know, and, but like Rachel Neville is there teaching. Jordan Matters She was the keynote teaching. speaker. Yeah. Jonathan Gibbons, who's the uh, EPS photo. David Hoffman, who's Shark Cookie. Like there's just so many people that I follow on Instagram that like when I heard that they were talking and teaching at the conference, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Anyways, real sense of FOMO for sure. Gonna want to yeah. go next year. Ugh. <sighs> much cool stuff happening okay i'm gonna jump into my discovery of the week as okay, we're go. almost at an hour here i read this really cool article oh man it's we're diving back into the discussion of focus points guys <laughs> oh no <laughs> but it's basically my favorite topic and i'm so nerdy about it and i love it and i took pictures of the article it's the, it's called um i'll share the actual link but it's called achieving better focus and sharpness in your images oh, and the, the long struggle the article is from 2015, so I'm just going to say that things have probably changed a bit with cameras. But um, the article starts off with a really great uh, discussion of the two types of focus points, uh, single plane and cross point, which mm -hmm. we mentioned at one point. And uh, basically what that is, is single plane. Um, so if the little focus point icon is like vertical, it's only able to focus on areas of contrast that make a horizontal line so it's like perpendicular to the focus point symbol and then vice versa there are other ones that only focus on things that are the, the focus point is horizontal and it only focuses on areas of contrast that make a vertical line oh i never and, knew that's how that worked that's so cool yeah and then in the middle of the center focus point on your camera is the most sensitive because it focuses on both vertical and horizontal um, lines. So, I mean, and they gave an example of like a tree. I mean, the side of a tree trunk is definitely vertical, but like most things that you're focusing on in life are curved and an eye is curved and everything has areas that are vertical and horizontal, right? Mm -hmm. 
And there, are, there might be a couple other cross point ones. It's not just the center one, but the center one they say is definitely more sensitive. So then they talked about um, focus recomposition. So they didn't talk about like, well, they did, but I'm not going to bring it up. AI servo. So tracking focus, but like focusing on something. So, okay, your two options. If you're going to focus on something, you can compose your shot. And then if you want to focus on something on like the left side, or like if a person's eye is like higher up or the dancer's like on the, in the corner, you can move the focus point over to use one of the other ones that's on top of the thing you want to focus on. The problem is that focus point is probably going to be a single plane focus point and not the cross point one. Or your other option is to put it in the middle and focus on it and then move your camera to recompose the shot. And the problem with that is that you have like an arc angle. You know what I mean? So like if you are holding your camera facing your subject and then you focus and then you move it, the subject has gotten a little bit farther or a little bit closer to you by like, you know, a millimeter because Mm -hmm. the angle that you moved the camera creates its a curve. So the distance. Okay. Yes. I I understand what you're saying. I think think we understand. But (laughs) the main point of the article to wrap it up is that it's always sharper to uh, focus in the middle and move the camera than to use an edge focus point without moving the camera. Oh, even though when you move, you there's that shift in distance? Yeah, that distance is less significant than the bad, worse, the worst quality of the other focus points compared to the middle one. Huh. Well, okay, I'm going to really try not to spend too long on this. But uh, so on my camera, I have it set so I can only use crosshair type focus points or cross type focus points. So when I look through my viewfinder, I can't even see the, the what do you call them again? The other ones? The, uh, the single plane, I the think. single plane ones. Yeah. So I don't even see them. But I actually, I only use my center focus point. So yeah, I'm glad I'm doing it right. I always focus recompose. Yeah. And well, this is from 2015. So maybe the cameras didn't have multiple ones, only some. We don't need to go into it. Off the podcast, you should tell me how to set it up so only the cross point ones light up. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's super easy. I don't know how to do that. It's in the but same. yeah, I just like love articles like this and like the, the science-y-ness of them <laughs> and uh, it's super cool. So I'll, I can like link that if you also want to read many pages about focus points. Sure. Uh, really, <laughs> really quick side tangent related to this. So I have my uh, backup camera. I leave at Dan's place in case I, we, I ever need it for something and I forgot to bring my camera. Uh, but I have back button focus set up and I have it set so it only uses the center point. But then I forget I have those settings. And so sometimes I'll give my camera to someone else to take pictures. And they expect when they hit the focus button that the camera will pick what to focus on, like most cameras, and take the picture. So it's always out of focus. Oh, so no. I always have to remember when, before I give my camera to someone else to change the like the focus settings to like auto or whatever it is. So, so it'll, or, um, yeah, it's so weird. I can just keep forgetting that yeah yeah. what's your discovery of the week so my discovery is just that ballet class i think cross training is so important and i think as dancers we often forget about that and we often focus only on the technique classes that we are trying to get better at uh so i would just encourage everyone to go take a class or a workout class and something that you don't normally do something that feels actually bad on your body actually might help be helping you more in the long term than always going to that I don't know, somatic modern class where you're rolling on the floor. Like once in a while, go to a ballet bar. Once in a while, go take an African class. Something where, you know, you just don't use your body that way. And yeah. Totally agree. Nice and short.
Sweet. I'm done. <laughs> All right. Well, you can always send us an email at stillinmotionpodcast at gmail.com. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at stillinmotionpodcast. And check out Jonathan's Instagram at JSU Media, J-H-S-U Media. And mine is at Catherine.Butler, K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. And before I say the next part, sorry, I have so many tangents today. <laughs> uh, what, do you think we'll ever get to a point where we don't have to spell out our handles? Like, if I can just say JSU Media, people know what I'm talking about. Or Catherine, it, we know how to spell Catherine because we know you. You know, anyways. Yep. Okay. Last um, episode, we spell it. So write it down, people. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're new, then well, then you're screwed. Anyways, yep. <laughs> uh, and thank you to Shannon who did the music for us and Amanda who did our graphic design. And that's it. We'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.